You are listening to the Paris Passages podcast show. This is the show that has to do with all things with creativity, and it's a safe place for all the creators out there. Enjoy the show. Hello there, and welcome back to the show. This is your host of your one-woman show, Samantha Parrish. So, as expected as an author, I've been waiting to see what the general reaction is going to be to Inglorious Inc., As I have been gearing up to release the third and final part of book one, I've been pleasantly surprised to see what the general reaction has been to the redux of the book and the original edition of Inglorious Inc. I've been surprised what the initial reaction has been for the book. With the original that came out, it did get its praise as well as its polite criticisms about how some work had to be done, and when I went back to go do the work and make the whole book fresh and brand new with some better dialogue and some better formatting, I still got the same reactions with the first with how people interpreted Inglorious Inc., and I've been quite fascinated with how people have interpreted the book. With the quote that I think about on a daily, daily basis of the creator John R. Dilworth, The man who made Courage the Cowardly Dog has said, art has no wrong answer. And I carry that with me with how I became a creator knowing that someone is going to view my series differently and that's not wrong. As long as they have fun with it, that's the only thing that matters. But I've also been very intrigued with how things turned out differently than the way that I created the book and I'm going to share that on here in an episode all about the Reactions of Inglorious Inc. Ever since I released Inglorious Inc., one of the questions that has been burning me is wondering which character of Inglorious Inc. is going to be the one that will be the favored. And as time went on, I've had some feedback from my friends, my family, certain collaborators and contributors that have mentioned Lance a lot and have expressed their admiration and their interest in Lance's character. And that kind of shocked me because I love Lance, don't get me wrong. He shares the love with all five of the main characters, but I was just so surprised that he was the one that was found to be most interesting than the other ones that were a little bit more decorated and more high note where Lance is kind of like He's a bit like the straight man. He ke- he keeps himself uh, collected and calm and put together, and he's also the observer, so he can't really put himself too much in there as he's navigating his new life. So to find out that he's the favorite one, I'm like, he's your navigator. That just kind of shocked me. And on top of that, too, Lance was the last character to be created. In a way, it's kind of funny looking back on it, knowing, wow, where I was scratching my head to figure out who was going to be my Navigator character becomes the favorite character. And I was curious to find out, why was Lance the favorite? And to my shock of reaction, it was pretty obvious because of the fact that Lance is introduced as a character that has had a tough slice of life and he's looking for a new break. And from what a majority of my friends have said is that they related to him because of the fact that some of them have also felt aimless and that they want a better life and they want those things. And they found that comfort in Lance's character. And then that hit me for how Lance has impacted a lot of readers that 
I initially made him as this character that had a tough slice of life and had to go through that. And we've all been through that at one point or another in our lives that we may not have had the same exact life as Lance. Maybe, maybe not, depending on if you went to prison or not. But the whole concept of leaving your whole life behind to have to start everything brand new and that you feel like you're in your own probation era of having to play your cards right and that you can't be the person who you once were because you have to figure yourself out again. You got to figure out a whole new life and see what to do. You become a whole brand new person while also being the same person. And you kind of see Lance go through these trials and tribulations as he's navigating himself through Duran, but he's also navigating himself and wondering, do I laugh about this? Do I not laugh about this? Do I like this? Do I not like this? And then finds himself going back into the cobwebs of his own brain of something that he's been trying to leave behind. And we all feel that one way or another when we're trying to leave something behind, but still feel like a part of us got taken away or left behind. And Looking at that whole concept that I created and really seeing how the reaction came through, it definitely gave me a fresh new take on my own character that just existed with everyone else and in glorious ink of having problems, but that he was the one that helped the most readers out. It makes me feel very proud that I created a character that gave a lot of comfort, and that's the wonderful thing that I love about being a, a writer is knowing that I'll feel very proud of it when I released it, but then I get to have a further appreciation for the story that I created, like, oh, cool, I did a good thing. That's amazing. But the one interpretation that I got out of my book was that some people saw Cassie and Jules as a romantic couple. Now, I can't fault that too much because... Well, I had to look at their relationship and saw that there are things that Cassie and Jules do that you would see in romantic couples. So even though I put in there that they are best friends, that did not matter. <laughs> um, one time I was going to the ABC store and I talk with the managers. We are like tight. We always have great conversations together and it kind of feels like cheers almost where I'm walking in and I'm basically like Norm, but I'm not there really there to, to drink. I'm just there to go pick up the alcohol. <laughs> and a lady there, wonderful lady, her name is Margaret. And when she read the first edition of Inglorious Inc., uh, she was just very frank and she just told it the way that she interpreted and read it where she said, yeah, that guy, Jules, and his girlfriend, Cassie. And I'm standing there like, uh-oh. I thought I was like Thor, and I hammered that in there enough, but I, I really questioned myself to think, did I, did I not hammer that in there enough that Jules and Cassie are just best friends and nothing more? And I couldn't really fault Margaret so much for thinking that because I, I had to look at my own story again with the redux process and see that Cassie and Jules do things that are the same things that couples do for the fact that they do everything together. They sleep in the same bed together. They do everything together. And that, that is a couple thing. I can't fault Margaret for, for, for thinking that. And when it came time for the redux process, I thought, okay, this is my chance to be able to really hammer it in there that these two are best friends, nothing more, nothing less. I had to make sure that that word came across very strictly. So that way people could understand 
the entire duality and dynamic of their relationship and the extent of that relationship. And also making kind of a joke on it that there's been some rumors about them being more than best friends and how it pisses them off sometimes that people don't get that they're best friends no matter how many times they've said it, which does play into the the huge thing about dismissals and it became a major unexpected theme of the plot. That day just like opened up my eyes to really see how people saw my characters. And again, just like I mentioned with John R. Doworth, that art has no wrong answer. Margaret might not be the only one that's going to see it like that. There are a lot of um, reactions about Cassie and Jules and their dynamic and how strong it is. There's even been one response where someone told me that they wish that Jules and Cassie were a couple, but accepts their dynamic. That there are that they are going to be best friends, nothing more than that. But at the same time, it does kind of shape the way that you would hope that you would have the kind of relationship that Cassie and Jules have. That maybe there's some people out there that are like, wow, I wish that I had a Cassie or I wish that I had a Jules. I mean, I wish I had that, but in the sense of it just <laughs> being a best friend and goddamn, I'm very glad that I do have some amazing male best friends in my life that are there for me in the sense that uh, they're kind of like a real-life jewels for me, but, you know, without the sketchy activity, of course. So my last reaction story that I want to share in this episode is something that happened recently. Um, <clears throat> I talked on my Instagram Paris passages that I got to be a part of an author fair in my state of Virginia. And <clears throat> I went there with my best friend Ace, and we had our table set up, we had our books to sell, and I got to interact with a bunch of uh, very creative and amazing authors and artists. Um, it was just absolutely amazing being able to be with the other authors and feel like, cool, I get to play the reindeer games. This is amazing. This is like Rudolph, but without the like toxic work environment and everything. <laughs> um, and there's a wonderful lady that I met that has written like seven books. Wish I got her name, but I wasn't thinking that day. I was just so everywhere. And near the end of the author fair, uh, she wanted to circle back to me and ask me some questions about my book. And the one thing she said to me is, I, I don't think that your book would be something that I would read, but I'm curious to wonder what is your favorite genre to write? Like, if you didn't have to write this, what would you write? And I had to be frank with her. I said, well, I don't really have a certain preference because my book is multi-genre. I have danced around how to be able to explain what Inglorious Inc. is because it's not technically a drama. It's not really a thriller. It's somewhat a dramedy. And that just kind of made everything clear for me to explain to her that it's a multi-genre book. That the best way I explained it to her was to explain how Ghost is a multi-genre movie. And then she looked at me and she nodded and she really got what I was saying. I'm like, thank God it only took me 27 years to be able to have my stuff make sense to people. <laughs> and uh, I explained that Inglorious Inc. has thrilling moments and it does have romantic moments and it does have drama, tragedy, comedy, it has all of those elements into the book. So you can just basically pick your poison for what you want. And I compared that to Ghost and I said, well, Ghost is 
has romance, it has thrills, it has horror, it has drama, it has tragedy, it has comedy, it has all those things in there. And she looked at me and she nodded. And it wasn't the kind of nod that you would mostly get for someone that's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to respect what you have to say. It was that she understood what I had to say and she understood my answer and she respected what I had to say and that she was impressed and intrigued by a different answer that still was technically the same, that she didn't go into this uh, feeling that she was going to be wrong the entire time, she got the explanation that she wanted, which is what we both wanted. She wanted to learn more about Inglorious Inc. and she wanted to learn about the genres I liked, and I got to tell her that I kind of go all around the mesh pool. That day just completely changed me for the way that I can be able to explain Inglorious Inc. because I'll admit, I wrote the damn thing, but this was going to be a, a, a tricky uh, book to be able to create and then realize, shit, I, I made something more than one genre. I had all these elements I wanted to put in there, so why not say that it has all of these elements and having to limit it to just being a drama book or a thriller book or a crime book? I mean, Amazon doesn't give me any help by saying I have to put it for one genre, but it'd be nice one day if we could have like an actual genre on Amazon that would be multi-genre. It'll be interesting to see what the further reaction is going to be with the future books that come out with Inglorious Inc. And I can't wait to hear them all. I really have loved that a lot of the reception I've gotten is an interested reception, not a negative reception, which is like miles better than the way it was when people were either, um, either a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of material in there or that they love the material in there but it just was a lot of patience on their part to digest everything which i really appreciate the patience but i also feel that if someone's giving me their time i want to make that easier on them that they're willing to accept my vision but it shouldn't be that they have to climb mountains to get there with how big the first book was, and now that it's been sequestered in three parts, it's a bit more digestible, so now people can understand my vision, which is the bottom line. What every author, creator, art, artist wants is someone to just understand what it is or have questions to have the interest to know more about it, and they can fully understand. Like It's like um, uh, what, what Jerry Maguire would say in the movie, well, Jerry Maguire, like, help me help you. But this is more of like a, a chiller, more casual way to get around how I can be able to help the person in the audience. And then they can also um, feel more invested and more involved. But speaking of part three, I'm, I can officially tell you what the release week is going to be. And I say release week because that's all I can really give right now. In my last episode, I mentioned that I wasn't pinpointed to a specific release date because I didn't know what it was going to look like for part three. I knew that I was going to have to do some major renovations to this uh, latter arc of book one. And I'm really glad I didn't pin myself down because now I'm starting to like see through the clouds and get everything through. So now that things have been piecing together, I can officially say that the release week is going to be the last week of March. I say that because I haven't decided on a day yet, but I know that it's going to be in that central week. So you might be pleasantly surprised. 
I hope you guys are pleasantly surprised when I have it released earlier in the week, or it might be later in the week, but that's like my ballpark, just in case something messes up like last time with the problems with technology, and then I can give myself a few days and just push back the release date. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I hope it made sense. I, it's been doing pretty good so far with people understanding me, and it took me 27 years to get here, so that's kind of nice. Um... But anyway, that is officially a wrap on the episode. This was a completely spontaneous idea since I just kind of happened to think like, wow, people are really interested in this book. And I'm really um, amazed with the reactions and the interpretations that I've gotten. It was nice to share that on here. But thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you would like to catch up with me before the next book comes out, you can hit me up on my Instagram at Paris Passages. If you would like to see more book content, previews, funny things, you can find me on my Instagram at The Mystical Space Witch. And that's it for me. All right, I'm going to go ahead and close this chapter on this episode and let you guys go on with your day. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Stay amazing. Stay safe out there. This is your host, signing off. Bye-bye!